0: Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body and spirit. Happy Healthy You. And now, here's Connie.
1: Imagine a life filled with happiness, connection and purpose. Just think, you're able to connect with the divine and that perfect aspect of yourself. You feel protected and guided by a loving angelic presence. You use every challenge to grow stronger and to access a higher consciousness. You're healthy and you're filled with self-love. Deep inside, you feel creative, passionate, and joyful. And all of that is reflected into your life. Hi, everybody. I'm Connie Bowman. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the weekly podcast about living a whole life in mind, body and spirit. And today I'm so excited to talk to the author of Seven Cups of Consciousness, which I just read the very first paragraph in the introduction. And that got me hooked right away. Today, we're talking to Alea Dow. Alea is a sound healer, an energetic practitioner. She's a minister in the state of California. She's a doctor of oriental medicine in New Mexico and a licensed acup puncturist in Colorado. She works all over the place. She's been an alternative healer for 20 years. And she graduated from Lewis and Clark University in Portland, Oregon, and earned her master's degree in oriental medicine from the Southwest Acupuncture School in Santa Fe, New Mexico. She practiced in Telluride, Colorado for seven years before moving out to beautiful Santa Barbara, California, where she serves an international clientele as a spiritual guide and a sound healer. Alea has just written a new book called seven cups of consciousness change your life by connecting to the higher realms. I'm so excited to talk to you Aleya. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Connie. This is such a great subject. Seven cups of consciousness. Why seven? And what is the premise behind the book?
0: well seven is a very spiritual number but it actually happened in a very organic uncontrolled way i wasn't thinking like i have to have seven concepts (laughs) um it actually started over a decade ago i had an enlightenment experience in 2001 that i can talk about later Mm -hmm. but after that enlightenment experience i was forced to come up with a certain way of being in order to maintain a high level of awareness and also deal with high levels of empathic sensitivity and cultivate greater compassion, patience, self-love, love for humanity. And so these seven cups and concepts really help me maintain that, help me change my life, create what I want to create, and help the clients and subscribers that I work with.
1: Sure. And so you, you learn it yourself, and then you bring it to everyone else. I love that. Absolutely. I
0: I am the guinea pig and my life is the lab.
1: (laughs) Well, I was listening to one of your YouTube videos and in it, you said that uh, when you got your first draft of your book back from your editor, they said, you got to kind of explain these in terms that people can understand because there were some things like uh, spirit guides and body divas and stuff like that. We can go into that later. But I feel like I'm sort of coming into this. Maybe you can uh, corroborate that. I feel as though my job is being able to sort of ground things into three-day reality, whereas some people like you who live there in those higher realms, it is hard to put into words or bring things down to that level. So I think between the two of us, hopefully we we can explain these concepts in a way that people can grasp and use in their own lives.
0: Absolutely. And that is the greatest challenge. You know, for me, it's like I have this um, energetic awareness that's beyond the mind of what I'm experiencing in the higher realms or what I see people going through in the higher realms. And then I actually think of it as a really lovely challenge of how do I take what I'm experiencing in this higher plane and translate it and then share it in a really palpable, manageable, grounded way, as you mentioned, in the physical plane. So. That is the greatest challenge.
1: Yes, yes. So hopefully, together we can we can accomplish this goal because I'm so great. on board with you. So maybe we can that. sort of, since things are really nonlinear, <laughs> that's the first term we'll we'll throw out there. The first cup you say we live in a multi dimensional reality. Let's start there, and then we'll go into. We're not going to go in order of any. <laughs> it's just going to be nonlinear. So perfect. we live in a multi dimensional reality. So that's that's perfect for starting there. So. Talk about that a little bit.
0: So if we recognize that the physical dimension is kind of like the first floor of a building, And then there are these other floors in the building that are other dimensions or realms. And there are beings that hang out on these higher floors. Every different, every floor has a particular consciousness, belief systems, behaviors, colors, sounds, light. It's almost like a holodeck. And so when you use your energy self to leave the physical plane and you travel with your intent, your imagination these higher floors, you have different kinds of experiences. And the way to get out of the physical dimension and into a higher dimension is to actually just close your eyes and imagine. Mm. I think it was Einstein that said something about the imagination being the key, the access point to connect with these other dimensions and these other realms that do exist in this world.
1: Mm, Good. So why do we, living in this 3D world here on Earth where everything is very dense and sort of um, simple, why heavy, 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 (laughs) simple is the word that came to me. Why do we want to be able to tap into this multidimensional world?
0: I think of the physical dimension actually as a reflection of the higher realms. Mm. Or another analogy would be the bottom of the ocean is the physical dimension. And when we want particular things or we want to feel differently, We don't change the energy on the bottom of the ocean. We actually drop energy in at the surface level from our luxury yacht down to ourselves here in the physical plane. And so in the book, the whole premise is to actually not use the physical dimension to make the inner or outer changes. You use these higher realms where blueprints are held.
1: Mm, it sounds so simple.
0: It's very simple. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I loved
1: reading that in, in the book. That was such a um, a good image. The, the idea of the higher self dropping flowers down yeah. from the yacht, of yes. all things, and it landing on the bottom of the ocean, and we... We accept those flowers if we're aware, if we're if, if our hands are out ready to to accept them,
0: or, or if we're even making the request. We can make requests on the bottom of the ocean for our energy self on the luxury yacht, you know, to drop little bundles down. But we always have to account for what I call a certain level of distortion, or um, it, it gets uh, what's the word diluted reflected right so if you're standing in front of a mirror things are flipped if you drop something from the surface of the water down to the bottom of the ocean it's going to get diluted so we have to always account for that and we asked we asked that our higher self energy self bring it in and even in an even bigger way to account for the distortion dilution factor
1: Mm, Okay, okay. Well, I think that little uh, dipping our foot in that ocean was enough to hook some people into this conversation, I hope. So let's go to your waking up experience. And you said you're on a sound table, you're a sound healer. So maybe you can talk about first, what is a sound healer? What is sound healing? And then go into your waking up experience, because that totally fascinates me.
0: A sound healer is when they are an individual healer who is using sound to shift consciousness, clear blocks, bring in higher vibrations, higher ways of being, basically get help people get out of their suffering and into a place of connection. And with the sound healing that I do, I use my voice and there are sound, all musicians are sound healers, whether they want to acknowledge that or not. But when I'm doing the sound healing, I'm making a particular tone with my voice in the physical dimension, but I'm also holding awareness of my higher dimensional self that can be making different harmonic tones in higher realms. And so I'm connecting with this individually, physically and in the higher realms, emitting particular tones that will help bring them into greater balance, connection, coherence. And I think the key piece is to recognize that we're all sound healers. When we hum, when we choose to play music, when we choose to be in silence, we're actually using sound to help us in our process, our journey and our awakening. Mm,
1: Okay, so... That describes a sound healer. And I've actually had some great experiences with sound myself. So I'm, I'm really curious to hear about your waking up experience and how it happened on that table that day. Can you yeah, kind of describe sound- what it was like?
0: It was um, 2001. And I was lying on a sound table, which is a massage table filled with water and there are speakers underneath this water bladder. So you're lying on it, your body's getting massaged by this music, you've got headphones on. And after about 20 or 30 minutes into this sound healing session, it, I think it was just like drums and flutes playing on a CD player in the Mary McLaughlin's Bring the Peace song. And during that song, my whole being was filled, with, it was like a huge flash of white light and I had this other perception of reality in a higher plane, and then all of this consciousness, awareness, memories literally flooded over me within 30 seconds. So it was a pretty fast boom wake up. X-ray glasses, awareness of other realms. Now I had already been in an all in alternative medicine for over 10 years. I had become um, I had studied as a psychic, clairvoyant, and doctor of Oriental medicine. So. The idea of an enlightenment experience wasn't completely new to me and foreign, but it still was, it took probably three to five years to integrate this heightened awareness. I didn't ever lose that awareness, but now the journey is really maintaining it, cultivating it, and going even deeper. So that was the the enlightenment experience. It um, is not for the faint of heart, shall mm-hmm. we say.
1: Well, those quick enlightenment experiences. I think most people uh, experience, well, I don't know. I'm assuming most people probably have a more gentle, gradual waking Slow, slow, Mm -hmm. slow. Are you aware that perhaps you asked for that experience?
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Can you talk about that? Conscious intent.
1: (laughs) Okay. So can you talk about that a little bit? Because I I kind of feel like sometimes I'm asking for it. But a long time ago, I said, I think I need a gentle approach. And now I'm like re- sort of uh trying to rework that so that i can have a a little bit of of a faster experience because it's too slow for me sometimes
0: um well the fast and intense enlightenment experience is um it's quite shocking and i changed my name i moved seven times i lost um, all my support community i had to find a new one broke up with a boyfriend, found a new lover. Now that was a three-year process of really tumultuous experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So my courage factor was high, but at that point in time, I didn't have that much to lose. You know, it's like I didn't have children or a husband that I was deeply invested in. And so I think it really depends on where we are in our evolution and um, and also our outer world. Now at this point in time, what do I want to continue having? Gentle, graceful, enlightenment moments so it just keeps getting better and better. Um, as opposed to a huge enlightenment moment where you kind of have to let go of everything that you've created on some level and birth into a whole new way of being. Now, I'm not saying that everyone that goes through a spontaneous, quick, intense enlightenment experience changes their entire life, but the the shift is so dramatic. And again, it varies for everybody. But I actually think that gentle and slow is a wiser, um, more graceful stance. And those seven cups that I talk about, those seven concepts are actually the template to cultivate what I call a higher dimensional merge over the course of three, five, ten years at the most.
1: Okay, good. Okay, well, let's go to the next one. You are never alone. Did you discover that after your awakening, or were you kind of aware of that somewhat before?
0: I could feel guides prior to my um, enlightenment experience, and I actually had healing guides that would show up in sessions with me with my clients. But literally after that healing session within, you know, a minute or two, I could perceive these beings around me and I call them my team and my guides. And I had what I call the angelic Bluetooth headset and they were with me 24 seven, unless I asked them to like leave the room for a moment for a private experience. So um, it was incredibly supportive to have that angelic presence with me, guiding me through this, this shift in awareness.
1: So you talk about in your book some of these uh, entities, shall we say, that that exist with us that, that until we have a consciousness of their existence, we really don't appreciate what they're doing for us. So maybe you can talk about the higher self, the body diva and the guides and what they're there to help us with in this 3D world.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of us actually have experienced guides and angels, but we might have experienced that as children, right? Imaginary friends. Those are beings in other realms. And um, there are specific terms that I use in the book. And I talk about the divine line, your higher self. And the divine line is really like, you know, step one. It's a river of light that flows inside you on the front of your spine. And so if you imagine taking your hand, putting it on your chest and pushing in past the sternum, you're going to hit a river of light. Now, it doesn't show up on an x-ray machine, Mm -hmm. but when you use your breath, your intent, your imagination to pull yourself into this inner river, you're actually connecting with your essence, that part of you that is perfect and whole, which is the seventh cup. And so the divine line is the place where we start kind of like getting online. If you want to send an email, you have to be plugged into the Internet or hooked up to a wireless connection. And so in order to ask for help from your guides, the best, fastest, most efficient way of asking for help is getting in your divine line and then making that request from that place. Hmm.
1: How do you suggest, and and I know you have lots of meditations and you work with clients on this, but is there is there sort of a fast track to getting really quickly acquainted with that divine line?
0: Yeah, we're going to go back to the analogy of down at the bottom of the ocean. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever um, scuba dove, mm-hmm. but you've got an oxygen tank on your back, And there's this little mouthpiece that's called a regulator that goes in your mouth and it gives you oxygen. If you're at the bottom of the ocean with your oxygen tank and your regulator in your mouth, how far are you going to go away from that oxygen tank and regulator?
1: Right.
0: Not far. far. Like your life depends on it. I'm not going to go an inch or two inches away from my oxygen tank. And so if we think about our divine line as our oxygen tank regulator, And we use our inhale, like our life depends on it, to pull ourselves into this inner river. And we use the exhale to ground and to anchor ourselves into that divine line front of spine. And in that place, we feel safe. We feel connected. We are whole. We are perfect. All of our needs are met in there. And so it's really the journey of where is our focus and Has it gotten bad enough? Are you struggling enough to be motivated to take an inhale like your life depends on it and pull yourself into your divine line? That is the fast track.
1: Mm. Yeah, I can feel that. as I I was doing that as you were describing it. Interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) There's um, there's actually, I'm going to share a short little story. And it was about a teacher in India. And I don't know if this is true, but it's just, you know, for the story purpose and the teacher is standing with the student and the student says, how did you get to be so wise and so enlightened teacher? And the teacher takes the student into the river and takes the head of the student and pushes it underwater and holds the student underwater for a minute or two minutes until the student's about to die from drowning. And then the teacher brings the student's head back up. Now I'm not this kind of teacher. And the student says, why did you do that? And the teacher said, "Well, what were you thinking of?" And the student said, "Air, just air." And the teacher said, "That's how I get to got to where I am."
1: Yeah, you, I've heard that before. We yeah. just we get to the point where we just can't take it anymore, and and we have to we have to jump in the water.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So if we use you know one or two or ten breaths a day to pull ourselves into our inner river, life is going to start getting easier, no matter what.
1: Mm, awesome. Just doing that. So our body has uh, a consciousness of its own and you you call it the body diva. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, the body diva is a nature spirit. It is from earth and we are riding in our body, kind of like you're riding a horse or driving in your car. You are not your horse and you are not your car. But so often we over identify with our bodies. We literally think we are our bodies and our bodies and start thinking that they are us. And so the more awakened and aware we become of our own individual, unique consciousness, river of light flowing on the front of the spine, then we have the capacity to hold a space for our body to awaken to its own nature spirit consciousness and begin a more empowered conscious process of awakening and evolving.
1: Okay. So how do we connect with that body diva? Just with the river of light also?
0: Yeah. So step one, get in your divine line, river of light, front of spine. And then when you're in your divine line, you gain access to what I call the energy self or your super self or you on a higher floor. And you're going to be asking your higher self, your energy self to connect with the energetic aspect of your body in a higher realm. So we can't really use the mind so much. This is, and this is the tricky part about the work, is that we use our mind to make the request. And then we let that energetic aspect of us do the work in the higher realm, and then we experience it. And so I'm basically asking my higher self, super self, to connect with the energetic aspect of my body in a higher realm. And I wait. And maybe I even imagine talking to the horse that I'm riding. It has a nature spirit consciousness. And it actually took me three years to get my body, Deva, to mm, respond to me. And Mm -hmm. I wrote about this in the book. And I was, like, taking a little walk and loving up my divine line. And the first words my body, Deva, said to me were, I hate you. (laughs) And I was like, what? Uh, what's going on what what's the matter do you love yourself and my body was like no I want you to love me the way you love yourself and I said well here's a little heresy "Uh, it's not my job to love you but it is my job to love my divine line on the front of my spine and I'll just hold the space for you to love yourself and after about a minute or two of me just modeling that energy I felt this huge surge of self-love flowing in the spine of my body Mm. and then tears gratitude Mm -hmm. reflecting this inner love that i was holding in my divine line and my body deva was holding in her divine line now that was a process that took many years but i'm hoping that with the sharing of all of these stories and the tools in the book that that shortens people's learning curve so that their bodies start holding and cultivating more self-love and that the soul starts holding more self-love as it rides in the body and makes for an easier less bumpy ride
1: when I read that little section of the book, I got it on a certain level, but I, I had a hard time sort of um, bringing it down into me, probably because I'm, I'm dealing with the same situation you were. maybe, I'm thinking. You're maybe, not your horse.
0: I'm not my horse. Okay. What does that mean? Um, so imagine riding a horse. Okay. What kind of horse would you have? Would she be female? Would she be male? What's her color? Mm -hmm. What's the horse you're going to pick that you would ride on? Okay. And you don't have to tell me. Just like imagine that. I got it. I got it. And then recognize that the horse has its own personality, Mm -hmm. its own belief systems, its, its own needs, completely different from yours. And then when we start recognizing that our body is a nature spirit, just like a horse, more evolved than a horse we are then able to model particular energies inside ourselves and positively empathically impact our body that is surrounding us
1: mm. okay so we want to get in alignment get our spirit our our higher self in alignment with that body so that we are all all of us are on the same page
0: well imagine you're the rider on the horse okay what's the energy you want to hold when you're in your saddle calm connection, maybe love, clarity. You don't want to be freaking out and, like, angry and, right? Right. right. And I'm that's also the in charge
1: of the police. Yeah.
0: Well, you can actually only be in charge of your rider self. Mm. If you're in total control of yourself, then your body's going to be in total control of herself or himself. Mm. So we don't want to micromanage and be constantly pulling on the reins of the body because then the body's going to rebel. I had that experience too.
1: Interesting. So in terms of healing, how does that come into play? Say there's an issue in the body, like right now I'm dealing with a shoulder, shoulder issue in this, in this body.
0: So you would ask your body, body, is this issue that you're holding and this energy that you're trying to process yours or someone else's? Mm -hmm because we can only process our own stuff, including our body. She can, she or he, if, it, if you're in a female form, ideally your body, divine nature spirit is she, male, male. And you would say, body, divine nature spirit, is this issue yours or is it mine? Or is this an ancestor's or a friend or a lover's? And if it's not yours, send it back to where it belongs along with the appropriate information. And so we start employing, inviting and reminding our body to use its energy self that it actually has to start shifting its energy, healing itself, and then reflecting that shift and healing that's happened in a higher realm down to itself here in the physical plane.
1: Gotcha. Okay. I got that. Yes. Yay! <laughs> but it all starts way up in the above the ocean. That's that's So um, the next cup, not that we're going in order because we are nonlinear beings, but you you talk about changing your inner world in the third cup. How do we go about changing the inner world so we can accommodate this new uh, awareness?
0: If we recognize that the only thing that we really can change and manage and control is the vibration and qualities flowing in our divine line, our life gets really simple, really fast. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we can't use the physical world to do it. We need to use our energy self to make these changes. Again, it's like the blueprint. We change the blueprint and the form changes. And so we go into that divine line. And as soon as you're in your divine line with your imagination, your intent, and your inhale, you gain access to your higher self. And then you make the request for your higher self to begin activating particular vibrations in your divine line, like self-love or calm or freedom, whatever quality you are yearning for. We can use the outer world as the trigger to figure out what it is we're yearning for of like, oh, I want a boat. Well, why do I want a boat? Because then I would have freedom and play. Oh, so I'm after freedom and joy. Instead of going externally for that, I'm going to have my higher self activate the vibration of joy and freedom in my divine line. I'm going to invite my body and my team to do the same. There's the sacred trinity. And when we're all holding this vibration of freedom and joy in our divine lines and in the higher realms, then freedom and joy start to reflect into our outer world, and situations that hold freedom and joy start to appear. Mm.
1: I, I think you really actually do a better job than you think of explaining the how. And you write about in your book, you say for many years, you were a seminar attending information gathering, book reading, spiritual junkie. <laughs> <laughs> and you found for all that investment of time, you say you found very few teachers who, who told you exactly how to do what you did. And I appreciate that so much. Um, I wrote a book about losing a child and what I wanted to get across to my readers was specifically how to do this. And I think I think you actually do a really good job of explaining how to get into your divine line and how to how to do all this stuff. So
0: thank you. Thank you so much.
1: So coming into the next cup, you talk about something that I think a lot of people might Stand back and go, okay, maybe, but I don't know about this one. Use your challenges to grow. So, yeah, you were saying earlier how we live in this such a stress-filled world, and we do. There's so many challenges that come up in our lives, and to see them as opportunities to grow is a challenge in itself. So maybe talk about that just a little bit.
0: Well, the bigger the challenge, the more determined our soul is. mm Right? It's like, okay, so we get to give ourselves a little pat on the back for our courage factor. If it's a little challenge, think of it, or a big challenge, think of it literally as an enlightenment opportunity, and you get to milk it for all it's worth and flip it into the solution. And I actually, in the book and online, um, the online resources, have a list of the challenge and then the solution, and I call it flip it. So when I meet somebody who, let's just give the example of lack, they've created lack in every area of their life. Their soul is actually determined and will do whatever it takes to cultivate a flow and an inner abundance and an inner support inside themselves. Now, they might be looking for support externally, but the process and the journey is if you can't find support externally, it's nowhere to be found, eventually you will be forced to find that support internally. And then we'll start holding the vibration of support in our divine line, looking for it there. So if we think about every single challenge as simply an indicator that our soul is wanting to cultivate a very particular vibration and quality in our divine lines, and we stop using the outer world to learn that, and we start taking personal responsibility to cultivate those energies inside ourselves, our outer world starts to reflect our inner abundance,
1: Mm. our inner
0: gifts, our inner wisdom, our inner resources.
1: I see that. It's not as easy as it sounds, but.
0: <laughs> no, but for me, um, I don't really like suffering. I'm a little bit of a prim- an energetic prima donna. <laughs> so the moment I feel a pinch of anxiety or fear, I go hunting and I'm like, okay, why have I connected with this? Is this empathic sensitivity? Is this really my core issue? And how can I resolve it and grow stronger from it so that I don't have to use the outer world as a struggle? Physically, I might even just use my emotions and my fear nip it there before it even has a chance to appear in the physical plane. Mm.
1: It is a practice, though, wouldn't you say? I mean, doesn't it take a few, a few times to really get it right? To- oh, it takes yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It takes yeah. years, and and to really think of it like um, a trigger and an indicator of just the tiniest little thought of something bad happening. Well, okay, if that were to happen, what would then the worst case scenario be? And why would I've created that in my outer world? What is it that my soul is so determined to learn? And so when we start unpacking it that way, we can nip it before it happens in the physical realm. And that that's just a life of, of being mindful and slowing down and being present with your thoughts and your emotions. And I'll actually talk to clients and they'll say, oh yeah, I've got the radio or the TV on 24-7. I just don't like hearing my thoughts. And I'm like, you don't like hearing your thoughts? (laughs) How do you? How do you even work on the pieces that come up? Because we have to be able to hear those thoughts as indicators of what's going on in our fields.
1: Do you believe that that there are people I'm glad you brought that up? Do you believe there are people that just don't have any impetus to grow spiritually in this life?
0: Um, yeah, from that place, I would say that maybe they did a lot of work in their previous incarnations and they're still integrating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, or they're in a place of suffering, which is cultivating courage so that they can get ready to take the next step. Mm. But I think everybody is growing and evolving regardless of whether they're conscious of it or not. Because every time you breathe, you're actually bringing a little bit more of your awareness into your divine line.
1: Oh, so like it or not, it's unavoidable. You are growing spiritually. Sorry. Yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> earth is Earth is the gym. Either yeah. you are working out or you're smelling sweat. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. it's happening. <laughs> Something or you, or you wouldn't somehow. have chosen
1: to come, I guess. we wouldn't Yeah, you have... wouldn't
0: be here. Right, there, right. This is like a really great galactic gym. Mm, so we that. get to choose, you know, okay, do I want to be in the swimming pool, Pilates? Do I want to be lifting heavy weights? How do I want to work out? And so those seven cups are really like, hey, there's a Pilates machine. Would you like to use it or come jump in the pool for really gentle resistance training?
1: And some people choose the uh, Tough Mudder root.
0: <laughs> yes, they they might choose the mud pit or You're the right. barbells, or they ne- might not even be conscious of it. So then they're constantly dropping their barbells on their feet. And that really hurts, but you can't pull their barbells away from them. Yeah. But just simply have compassion and recognize that we've, you know, we used to be on barbells. Mm-hmm. Now we're on Pilates or yoga or swimming pool. There's no good or bad, no judgment about it. Everybody's working out in their own unique way.
1: Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're working on different cups at different times and not in necessarily in the order what does it mean to ride right in your body
0: that is to hold all of your energy and awareness on the front of your spine you're in your saddle you're snuggled up in your saddle front of spine you're strapped into your car you're not like riding in the trunk or flopping all over the place and then you're letting your body control itself I like that. Kind of like the saddle, like I wouldn't want to ride on the belly of the horse or hold on to its tail, right? That's going to be really uncomfortable. And if I'm holding myself off the front of the spine or away from the saddle, the body is then going to start having issues of abandonment and rejection because it's going to think something's wrong with it because why wouldn't the rider want to be snuggled up?
1: I like that. And in essence, to me, that is just being in alignment in mind, body and spirit. It, yes. it's what my podcast is all about. So, so yeah, somehow I nailed that it, one a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, you did. Absolutely.
1: So, so we all have our we all come to this incarnation with gifts. And can you talk about how to um, sort of track down our soul's gifts and, and learn to embrace them?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So think of one thing or two things that you want for another person. Mm. That is what you value.
1: Mm. And if you
0: value that, right, it's like, oh, I want people to be peaceful or I want them to be happy or I want everybody to be in integrity or I want everybody to be respectful of the planet and each other, whatever it is. Just identify one of those qualities of what you want for other people. Then recognize that because you value it, that means that your soul has actually been working, probably for a very long time, cultivating that exact energy in your divine line. And so that ends up being a soul gift. Now here's the rub. Imagine being only attached, desiring, wanting, and responsible for you holding that energy inside yourself, not even for your body, just for your divine line, river of light. And so I'm only attached, desiring and responsible for me being in a state of inner peace, no one else. Because the moment we get attached and desiring for somebody to be in a particular energy, quality, or a way of being, now I'm projecting what I value onto another person, That's spiritual arrogance. Mm
1: -hmm. Now I'm going to
0: get pummeled in order to move into greater humility, not comfortable. Painful, ouch. So pulling all of that attachment and desire off of everyone and everything. And then as we hold that attachment and desire for our own particular energy inside ourselves, then we create a strong, coherent field of transformation. Mm. We positively empathically impact 10,000, 100,000 people by simply holding that energy inside ourselves.
1: So we simply observe what it is without as you say, attachment, we observe it with equanimity, as the Buddha would say, those things that we value, that we would love to, to give to other people, but then we don't necessarily have to give to other people.
0: (laughs) We don't actually want to give to other people. We don't. We want to hold it and feel it inside ourselves and model that. And if people want to cultivate that inside themselves, because that's where they are in their journey they can look at us and go, how are they doing that? How are they holding that peace vibration or that freedom frequency or that integrity or respect or self-love? Oh, look, then we can send information to people that's naturally energetically happening as we hold it inside ourselves. And then the other person starts to bring it in for themselves energetically in their own unique way. I, um, I have a sound engineer who is a Virgo, and he has this beautiful, exquisite attention to detail, discipline, and focus. And over the course of three years, sitting in his presence, I have cultivated greater focus and attention to detail and discipline. Mm-hmm. It's not because he wanted that for me. It was because I was being empathically impacted sitting next to him yeah. in a really Beautiful way. And so if we recognize that we have the capacity to be of service by modeling the energy and holding a safe, compassionate space, then then our lives start to become abundant in a really beautiful way. I love that. I love the way you have
1: articulated that. I, I like to say presence is contagious when we I are present, that. when we're totally present. And, and that leads us to the final cup, which you are perfect. I mean, that just means that we are, everything that we are in our essence is enough, which is so beautiful. You are perfect. So we come into this, into this life perfect, and then we kind of mess with it. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we do that, Alea? I just, I, sometimes I question that, like, why do we mess with perfection so much?
0: Well, what we're doing, I don't know if we're messing with perfection, but what we'll do is we'll take our awareness of where our perfection is externally. Mm-hmm. So we'll look for our perfection outside our divine line, and it doesn't exist.
1: Oh, okay. So it's all about it's coming so, back to, to center, yeah. coming back to that divine line, which is in the, in our center. In, mm. Yes. Oh, it's so, so
0: easy. So if you just imagine holding all of your little nuggets for perfection only in your divine line, nowhere else you're like the only place I need to be perfect is in my inner river and the only way to get there is to take a deep breath in and in that place I'm perfect then you are holding this vibration of valuing yourself loving yourself seeing your own inner beauty we stop needing that from other people And so then the self-confidence grows, the fear of rejection goes away, because we're deeply embracing that part of us that is exquisite, beautiful, and whole.
1: Mm. And that's true spiritual maturity, I think, when you reach that that place. Well, let's talk about, so you've had this awakening experience, you're uh, sharing all of this with everyone else. Do you still have ups and downs? And do you find yourself at the bottom of that ocean going, hey, throw me throw me something here. (laughs) Drop something down to me. I mean, what do you do to maintain this higher awareness in this world? Yeah,
0: I would say that my ups and downs are not as intense as they used to be. You know, it's kind of like more rolling hills as opposed to the huge peaks and the valleys. And I think that as you spiritually grow and evolve, that just naturally starts to happen. Um, Because when we go to a A really intense high peak and then we go to a really low valley there's a rush it's almost like the adrenaline and we can actually use that to feel a deeper level of connection but then the the drop right is more Mm -hmm. intense so kind of stopping the journey of chasing the enlightenment dragon's tail and going more with Well, I might forget my essence for three hours or 12 hours or a day or two days, but then I'm going to remember it again. I'm not going to have a big gap between the remembering and the forgetting. And so I think every single day I embrace the awareness that we naturally will remember and forget as a mechanism to evolve. But we want to mind the gap and go, I'm going to forget myself for two hours. And then I'm going to take a conscious inhale and bring myself back into my divine line. And it's going to be a teeny tiny little rush. Whereas if I forget myself for three weeks or three years, I'm going to get a much bigger rush. There's a peak and then there's going to be a valley. And so shortening the gap, an ascended master remembers their essence on their inhale, forgets their essence on their exhale, remembers their essence again on their inhale. That is a one breath gap.
1: Mm.
0: So the more we do our inner practice, the more subtle, the more gentle, graceful, we're not chasing the rush and we're minding the gap. So that would be the first concept that I would bring into play. And then the second piece for maintaining a high level of awareness And that first one, just one more piece on that one, that cultivates greater self-love because every time we stress out or we forget ourselves or we go, oh my God, I can't believe I behaved that way. We'll just recognize it as the mechanism of the enlightenment experience. And then you remember yourself to an even deeper degree than the time before. We never go backwards in our evolutions. We're being gentle and graceful and compassionate with our own selves in our process.
1: So we never go backwards, even though it feels like we've just... We've just gone so far backwards. That is so consoling. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Because sometimes it feels like we do. Oh,
0: gosh. Yeah. Good. It's only the perception of your connection. Mm. So if I'm holding the awareness in my divine line, I'm perceiving my divine connection. If I take my awareness outside of my divine line, now I'm in a perception of disconnection. But it's just perception.
1: Okay. Good. Thank you for telling me that. I needed to hear that today. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You're you're good. (laughs) Because every single time you breathe, some part of you is cultivating more light within.
1: It's so simple. So simple. The breath. Why is this important, Alea? Why is it important to do this work? I mean, what is the goal? I mean, after all, we will all pass from this world to the next at some point. So what is the purpose of continuing to work on ourselves spiritually in this life.
0: Well, Connie, you create such a safe space that I'm going to get radical here for a minute. Yeah, good, good, (laughs) good. So I think of the physical world kind of as a place where you've got your cards on the table, it's the gym, you're working out whether you're conscious of it or not. And then when we go back to the other side, we go back to what I call the real world, And so when we're on the other side, all we want to do over there is receive the divine light, the sacred light, to an even deeper degree. And so we're using the physical experience and the physical human form to actually cultivate the capacity to receive more light inside us so that when we go back to the real world, we're able to receive our light, our essence, to an even deeper degree. So when we're here in this world, if we make requests that our energy self opens to receive our light to a deeper degree in yeah. a higher realm.
1: Hold on a second. We're getting some kind of a, um interference. It must be the light coming through as you're talking. It, it can <laughs> definitely be. I, I can, can repeat, repeat, repeat it, it
0: but yeah. Well, oh, my gosh. happens,
1: You should hear it on this end. Oh, my gosh. It's that's
0: crazy. Same. It's, it's, it's angel editing edit this part, right? This part, right?
1: Yeah, oh, we can definitely edit it, but it sounds really wild. It's echoing and it's... Um...
0: So just so listen because you're, getting, you're a getting a download.
1: This is really cool. <laughs> I know, I feel it. I feel like tingly. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I just, yeah, keep, I just getting. keep getting it. Oh. my, might have some tears. tears. <laughs>
1: That's really great. I mean, we can't use this for the podcast. No, but, no, it's, but for you. it's for you. Get it? Just, Get open. It. just open. Okay. Oh. I'm. Oh wow. Uh huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Chills. Yep.
0: Yep. Couple <laughs> more waves. More waves. Breathe. Breathe. There's your, spiritual, your family. spiritual family. Hang in there. Here we go. Thank
1: you. This is awesome.
0: Yeah. It's starting to fade out a little bit. Yeah, it's ending. <laughs> I can I can see it.
1: Oh, that is so cool! Oh my gosh, I feel it. Yeah. I, the, this whole podcast, I was asking to really connect with my divine line because I'm not sure that I have felt it. Yeah. Um, recently I was at a retreat and I had somebody work on my. Uh, I thought it was going to be my heart chakra and ended up to be more of a solar plexus. Uh, thing and she pointed out during that session that where that was and it's exactly where you described like the in the the sternum like sort yep. of down deep behind the in front of the spine. So I've really been focusing in my meditations a little bit more on that area, and it's pretty profound actually. <laughs> Beautiful. That's what's what's happening? So, so let's talk about. Let's wrap this up with. What is your goal for your readers? What do you want them to walk away with after reading Seven Cups of Consciousness?
0: I would hope that people would have a sense of a roadmap of how to cultivate greater light inside themselves, move out of suffering, transform their challenges into their greatest strengths. A lot of the time in our life, we will have things that come up and we don't know how to deal with them. And so it's really the guidance of how to use it grow stronger, but from an empowered, joyful, connected way, instead of frightened and disoriented, confused and overwhelmed.
1: Mm, That's beautiful. And it's it just goes back to that first paragraph in your book that I read, imagine a life filled with happiness, connection and purpose. Just think you're able to connect with the divine and that perfect aspect of yourself. How How beautiful. This is such a beautiful book. Gosh, thank you so much for writing it, Alea. Thank you, Connie. I enjoyed it (laughs) so much. Talk about where people can find the book and some more information about the meditations and the book circle that
0: you're starting at the end of this month. The book is available on Amazon, New World Library, and Barnes and Noble. And on the In the book, there is actually a link that gives people access to free audio meditations that are part of the book. I think there's like either 11 or 12 or 13 of them. And those meditations go with every single chapter so that you can have an energetic experience of the concepts that I'm talking about. And then I have images online as well for all of the terms that I use. I have some stories of people that have used the seven cups to change and transform and create the lives that they intend for themselves, as well as a little YouTube of how to surf the waves of emotion to higher ground. And then I also am starting a book circle October 22nd, where anybody that's purchased the book for free. They can log in and watch, have a live experience with me. They can be chatting questions and we're going deeper into the concepts in every single book circle and there's going to be eight of them every two weeks. I'm going to record them so that if somebody purchases the book in six months or a year, they'll still have access to those video audio files of the book circle talking deeper about each concept.
1: Mm, That's so great. So you get the book and you have so many more places to go to just work on this and really download it into your system.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And these seven concepts, you know, are actually um, a formula template to move into enlightenment. And so the book is really just scratching the surface of the first layer of these ideas.
1: Beautiful. So give us your website and how to get in touch with you. Of course, people can also work with you uh, on a one to one basis as well. So
0: People can go to cupsofconsciousness.com to get a free trial week of the daily cups of consciousness that I do. They're little seven to ten minute audio meditations with toning and energetic protocols. And they can also try a free sample tall cup session, which is a 45 minute to hour long energy balancing session. Again, it's your higher self shifting you. And my one on one practice is booked out three to six months for new clients. Um, and I actually have people work with the daily cups the tall cups read the book before they're able to have a session with me just because they need to prep to get the most out of the work
1: Mm, okay okay so make that appointment now for next year (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) oh my gosh what a powerful conversation this was I can't believe I got my own personal little uh, download Download. big download I should say (laughs) (laughs) That was intense. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast and for sharing your experience and your gifts and all your beauty. Thank you, Connie, and have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you. I think I will. Back to happy.